0: Hello everyone, welcome back to yet another episode of the Ultimate Oscars. I am your host, as always, Gabe Warren, and with every episode, I, along with a special guest, will be celebrating and awarding our favorite films of every year, starting in 1928. We will discuss our brief thoughts on each film we nominate, and comment on the actual Oscar here, and um, some fun details on the ceremony. A few rules we always follow. We'll be strictly following the reminder list of eligible releases. Those can be found on the website and the Oscar Goes too. Joining me today will be returning guest Emily Blakowski Malik, author of The Book Reviews by a Chick Who Reads Everything websites. Welcome back to the show, Emily.
1: Ah, oh, thank you, gay, for having me on. By the way, just just out of curiosity, are you gonna have a five-timers club by any chance?
0: Maybe you haven't thought about that.
1: No, oh, that's all right. Just just throwing it out there.
0: Um So um, how how is your day, been? How how are you doing today?
1: Oh, I've been doing good. Uh, Yeah, I just had a game night, and so I was just having a lot of fun and even telling my friends of the films I had watched for this year and for good and for worse.
0: Yes. That sounds like a lot of fun. So today we're going to be talking about the films of 1952. And I think a good place to start would be to ask, what were your favorite films of each year, of this year, that were not eligible? This can be any film that was that was released in 1952, but was not on the reminder list of eligible releases for this year.
1: Well, that was really tough, because a lot of the films I watched were eligible, all but one. And that was Limelight. And that is, I don't really watch, a, I haven't watched a whole lot of Charlie Chaplin films, but... This one was really entertaining. I mean, I mean, it didn't need to be as long as it is, but it was really fun, and I, I really enjoyed it. And especially seeing the uh, darker side of the fame, and how, and how Charlie Chaplin's character deals with a lot of ageism, and also the mental health of the ballerina too.
0: Nice. I've heard a lot of uh, pretty great things about that film, and. I look forward to eventually getting to that. Um, I guess I would technically count um the all my anomalies uh, for best international film, which all are real when we go down the line. Mm-hmm. But I can't really think of any besides those. All right. Maybe there were some that appeared on event like, later on, but I don't know. But, um, I guess now we're going to jump into our list of nominees. So, as usual, we start with the last category, special effects, end with the first best picture, and we take turns announcing our nominees with the guests going first. So we're going to start off with special effects. Would you like to take it away, Emily?
1: Of course, Gabe. Don't mind if I do. All right. My nominees for Best Special Effects are The Fall of Berlin, The Greatest Show on Earth, Hans Christian Andersen, The Miracle of Our Lady Fatima, and Plymouth Adventure.
0: Nice. Um, my nominees are The Greatest Show on Earth, Hans Christian Andersen, The Miracle of Our Lady Fatima, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, and Plymouth Adventure.
1: Nice! Four out of five! That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So next we have Best Film Editing.
1: Alright. My nominees for Best Film Editing are The Beauty of the Devil, Come Back Little Sheba, The Greatest Show on Earth, High Noon, and The Member of the Wedding.
0: Interesting. I have Five Fingers, High Noon, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, The Quiet Man, and Singing in the
1: Rain. Ah, some good ones there. Singing in the Rain was very close.
0: My runner-up, like, sixth place was probably Rashomon, but I wanted to make room for some other films that I don't have represented elsewhere.
1: Ah, that makes sense.
0: So next we have Best Makeup and Hairstyling.
1: All right, my nominees for Best Makeup and Hairstyling are The Fall of Berlin, The Greatest Show on Earth, High Noon, Les Miserables, and Singing in the Rain.
0: Nice. I have The Greatest Show on Earth, Moulin Rouge, and Pandora and the Flying Dutchman. So Ooh. I only have three nominees.
1: I see. Oh, pretty cool. Very cool. All right, right so
0: ahead. next we have best costume design.
1: All right. My nominees for best costume design are The Bad and the Beautiful, *Come Back Little Sheba, Hans Christian Andersen, Moulin Rouge, and Singing in the Rain.
0: Nice. Um, I have Loulin Rouge, My Cousin Rachel, Carrie, Singing in the Rain, and Sudden Fear.
1: Sudden Fear was very close on mine. I think it had to be one of the runner-ups.
0: I also considered um, Pandora and a Flying Dutchman. The theme here is Great Gowns, Beautiful Gowns.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Which, speaking of gowns, beautiful gowns, I give a special shout out to With a Song in My Heart, specifically the dress that Susan Hayward wears in uh, the first performance after the plane crash. I want that pink dress. I really want that pink dress.
0: (laughs) So next we have Best Color Cinematography.
1: All right. All right. For my nominees for Best Color Cinematography are Hans Christian Andersen, Million Dollar Mermaid, Moulin Rouge, The Quiet Man, and Singing in the Rain.
0: And my nominees are Moulin Rouge, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, The Prisoner of Zenda, The Quiet Man, and Singing in the Rain.
1: Ooh, you managed to get a just like like three out of three out of five. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And interestingly there were two um Technicolor swashbuckler films that starred Stur- um no um uh some British um lad. Um I'm going to look him up right now. Like he's so forgotten I'm forgotten his name. Stuart Granger. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was just there throughout the 40s and 50s, it seems. There whenever Robert Taylor wasn't available.
1: <laughs> oh dear.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, I thought about Ivanhoe for uh, Best Color Cinematography, mainly because of how the siege scene uh, influenced uh, the uh, Battle of Helms Deep in uh, Two Towers, but it's like, I don't know, I remember just kind of laughing at it through a good chunk of it, (laughs) but it was still memorable.
0: (laughs) So next we have Best Black and White Cinematography.
1: All right. Uh My nominees for Best Black and White Cinematography are The Bad and the Beautiful, (laughs) High Noon, The Narrow Margin, Rashomon, and Sudden Fear.
0: Nice! I have the same five, except instead of the narrow margin, I have My Cousin Rachel. Oh! So that's The Bad and the Beautiful, High Noon, My Cousin Rachel, Rashomon, and Sudden Fear.
1: Awesome! Four out of five, that's great. Yeah, I have not seen My Cousin Rachel. I was I was so close, but... Uh, no. I usually, like I said before, I usually get my DVDs from the library, and this one would have taken a while for it to get, so... But I still watched over like 30 films for this. So.
0: It's an underrated movie, and uh, Willoughby to Have Richard, uh, Richard Burton are both great. And they both show up here, but that's for later.
1: Uh, I had a feeling that you would put Richard Burton on there. Uh.
0: So next we have Best Art Direction.
1: All right. My nominees for Best Art Direction are The Beauty of the Devil, Hans Christian Andersen. Moulin Rouge, The Quiet Man, and Viva Zapata.
0: Nice, so I have Bad and the Beautiful, My Cousin Rachel, The Quiet Man, Rashomon, and Singing in the Rain.
1: Ooh, so many good ones. I feel like, I swear, it's like this year was so good in like costume design and production design, it was really hard to actually choose. Because I know at one point I had uh, Rashomon on my list. But of course that became a runner-up along with Singing in the Rain.
0: Yeah, surprisingly a lot of great films to choose from in
1: 1952. Oh, definitely.
0: So next we have Best Sound Recording.
1: All right. My nominees for Best Sound Recording are... High Noon, The Jazz Singer, Million Dollar Mermaid, Singing in the Rain, and With a Song in My Heart.
0: Nice. I have Breaking the Sound Barrier, Five Fingers, High Noon, The Quiet Man, and Singing in the Rain.
1: Good. Two out of five. Not bad.
0: And next we have Best Original Song.
1: Ah, this is going to be a very fun one. My nominees for Best Original Song are I Fear Nothing from Jack and the Beanstalk, The King's New Clothes from Hans Christian Andersen, Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling from High Noon, The merry go run from Road to Bali, and Make em Laugh from Singing in the Rain.
0: Nice. So I have Am I in Love from Son of Pale Face, Do Not Forsake Me, All My Darling from High Noon, Merry Go Run Around from Road to Bali, Make Him Laugh from Singing in the Rain, and Thumbelina from Hans Christian Andersen.
1: Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, I had thought about putting Thumbelina on there. It's like, I Personally, I just think it's a little too saccharine for my taste, even though it's clearly understandable. But to be fair, any of those songs from Hans Christian Andersen was going to end up on the nominations list.
0: So okay. next we have Best Original Score.
1: All right. My nominees for Best Original Score are High Noon, The Miracle of Our Lady Fatima, the Quiet Man, Singing in the Rain, and Viva Zapata.
0: I have The Bad and Beautiful, High Noon, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, The Quiet Man, and Viva Zapata.
1: Ooh, very nice. Three out of five.
0: So next we have Best Cartoon Short Film.
1: All right. So my nominees for best cartoon short film are Johan Mouse, Rapid Seasoning, and The Romance of Transportation in Canada.
0: I have my nominees are Johan Mouse, Little Johnny Jet, Madeline, and The Romance of Transportation in Canada.
1: Ooh, very nice. You have four nominees now. Yeah. It was a good year for uh for cartoons.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. So next we have best international film.
1: All right, my nominees for best international film are, The Beauty of the Devil, The Fall of Berlin, and Rashomon.
0: Nice. I have Forbidden Games. <gasps> From France, Ikaru, from Japan, and Umberto D. from Italy.
1: Oh, nice! Oh yeah, I forgot to uh, mention mine. Uh, the beauty, of, the beauty of the devil, is from France and Italy. Fall of Berlin is from Russia, Soviet Union, and Rashomon from Japan.
0: Nice. So I, oh, oh um, next we have Best Adapted Screenplay. Sorry, stumbling on my words.
1: I know, I, I just had to repeat the country, so it's, it's like, <laughs> oh, I forgot to do that. <laughs> All right, so my nominees for Best Adapted Screenplay are The Bad and the Beautiful, Carrie, Comeback Little Sheba, High Noon, and Rashomon.
0: I have, as my nominees, The Bad and the Beautiful, High Noon, The Man in the White Suit, The Quiet Man, and Rasha Oh, three
1: Ah, three out of five. Yay.
0: Next, we have Best Original Screenplay.
1: All right. My nominees for Best Original Screenplay are The Fall of Berlin... The Lavender Hill Mob, The Narrow Margin, Pat and Mike, and Singing in the Rain.
0: Nice. Good lineup. I have as my nominees Pat and Mike, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, The Lavender Hill Mob, The Young and the Damn, and Singing in the Rain.
1: Nice. Three out of five. Perfect.
0: Next, we are into the acting categories, starting with Best Supporting Actress.
1: This is where it's going to get very good on this one. All right. My nominees for Best Supporting Actress are Ethel Waters in The Member of the Wedding, Katie Hirado in High Noon, Gene Hagen in Singing in the Rain, Gloria Graham in Sudden Fear and Thelma Ritter in With a Song in My Heart.
0: Nice. So, my nominees are Anne Bancroft in Don't Bother to Knock, Katie Gerardo in High Noon, Joan Greenwood in The Man in the White Suit, Jean Hagen in Singing in the Rain, and Gloria Graham in Southern Fear.
1: Nice. Note how we did not nominate Gloria Graham for the bad and the beautiful. I'm sure yeah. we'll get to talk about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So next we have best supporting actor.
1: Oh man. I have to I'm just gonna preface with this. I kinda of had a tough time with nominating my best supporting actors. There were so many good ones that Uh, I mean, there were some that I, they're on the list at one point, but now they're runner-ups, but I'm confident with this list, so here it goes. My nominees for Best Supporting Actor are Michelle Simeon from The Beauty of the Devil, James Stewart in The Greatest Show on Earth, Robert Newton in Les Miserables, Donald O'Connor from Singing in the Rain, and Jack Palance in Sudden Fear.
0: Nice, that's a good lineup. So, my nominees are Stanley Holloway in The Labrador Hill Mob, Richard Burton in My Cousin Rachel, Barry Fitzgerald in The Quiet Man, Donald O'Connor in Singing in the Rain, and Jack Palance in Sun Beer.
1: Ah, uh, nice. I had Stanley Holloway and Barry Fitzgerald on my uh, runner ups. They were just so good, but just so missed the list. You see why it was so so hard to pick only five of the best supporting actors?
0: Yeah. So next we have best leading actress. The one oh, that matters.
1: You got that right. <laughs> All right, here it goes. My nominees for best actress are Lana Turner in The Bad and the Beautiful, Shirley Booth in Come Back Little Sheba, Julie Harris in A Member of the Wedding, Maureen O'Hara in The Quiet Man, and Joe Crawford in Sudden Fear.
0: Nice. And my nominees, I said I had someone in here, but I had to make a last-minute cut on, on Impulse, so... Certain someone might not be here that I already said, but my nominees are Shirley Booth in Come Back for Sheba, Ethel Waters in The Member of the Wedding, Joan Crawford in Possessed, Maureen O'Hara in The Quiet Man, and Debbie Reynolds in Singing in the Rain.
1: Uh, Debbie Reynolds was probably sixth on my list. It's, she was just so close but shout out to her for keeping up with Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor, particularly in The Good Morning Number. Shout out. But yeah, I do also find it interesting that you put uh, Ethel Waters as a as leading actress.
0: Yeah, I did. Um, when I watched the movie, I did consider her a lead.
1: Hmm, okay. Because I kind of consider her more supporting because she was kind of more of a supporting character who just happened to have a lot of backstory.
0: Uh, understandable. So next we have Best Leading Actor.
1: All right. My nominations for Best Leading Actor are Kirk Douglas in The Bad and the Beautiful, Lawrence Olivier in Carrie, Gary Cooper in High Noon, Alec Guinness in The Lavender Hill Mob, and Gene Kelly in Singing in the Rain.
0: And my nominees are Canada Lee in Cries of Beloved Country, Gary Cooper in High Noon, Alec Guinness in The Lavender Mob, Toshiro Mifune in Rashomon, and Gene Kelly in Singing in the Rain.
1: Nice. Three out of five. That's awesome.
0: And next we have Best Director.
1: All right. Now this one is going to be very interesting and you'll see why. My nominations for Best Director are Vincent Minnelli in The Bad and the Beautiful, Cecil B. DeMille in The Greatest Show on Earth, Fred Zinneman for High Noon, John Ford for The Quiet Man and Stanley Donan and Gene Kelly for Singing in the Rain.
0: Nice. My nominees are Charles Crichton for The Lavender Full Mob, Fred Zinneman for High Noon*, John Ford for The Quiet Man, Akira Kurosawa for Rush and and Gene Kelly and Stanley Donen for Singing in the Rain.
1: Ah, perfect. Three out of five. So awesome.
0: And next we have Best Picture.
1: All right. The big one. I know. This is going to be very juicy. All right. My nominees for Best Picture are The Bad and the Beautiful, Come Back Little Sheba, High Noon, Singing in the Rain, and The Quiet Man.
0: Nice. And my nominees are High Noon, The Lavender Hill Mob, The Quiet Man, Rashomon, and Singing in the Rain.
1: Nice, three out of five. I love yeah. you have A lot of three out of fives uh, for this one.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. Mm-hmm. So now I guess it's time to announce our winners. And as usual, we um, uh, uh, start with the last category, special effects, and with the first one, best picture. And we take turns announcing our winners with the guest going first.
1: All right, don't mind if I do. Get a little drum roll, please. My winner for best special effects is Plymouth Adventure, mainly for that storm scene, which I mean, the film itself is not, I mean, I guess it's just too dull to be more of an adventure, but at least the storm scene at least was somewhat worth it. I mean, with all the realistic uh, water being splashed in people's faces and like, you really had the sense that they're really in danger.
0: Nice. So, um, my winner for Best Special Effects, and my winner is Pandora and the Flying Dutchman.
1: Ooh, nice.
0: And next, we have Best Film Editing.
1: All right. My winner for Best Film Editing is... High noon, the, the Academy was right on there. I mean, had to go with the Academy's choice on that one. Oh, so good with the editing, especially uh, when the train comes and the clock strikes noon and you just have the montage of almost every character just just pacing. In fact, I was just watching that scene earlier today and just, I love how it just, cuts, like, on every downbeat, just how much it's in sync with the music. It's, like, oh, awesome. awesome.
0: (sighs) And my winner is, for Best Film Editing, my winner is High Noon. Woo! With that, we agree.
1: Yes. See, the Academy can actually choose films for Best Editing. They're actually really good at editing.
0: And next we have Best Makeup and hair styling.
1: All right, my winner for Best Makeup and hair styling is Singing in the Rain. And, and such awesome.
0: a good choice.
1: I know, everyone just looks so good. Even the men look good. Like the women's hairs are just wonderful and very much 1920s, just love it.
0: And my choice for... Sorry, I'm blanking. Um, My choice for best makeup and hair styling is Moulin Rouge.
1: Ooh, very nice. Ooh, very good choice on that one.
0: And... Next, we have Best Costume Design.
1: Oh, no. The winner of Best Costume Design for me is... Singing in the Rain. (laughs) And for... Oh, sorry.
0: You go ahead, you go ahead.
1: I love all the costumes there. And of course, the design by the wonderful Walter Plunkett. And in fact, he designed like, I believe it was like over 500 costumes for this film. Like he hadn't designed as much since Gone with the Wind. But a lot of those costumes are just amazing to look at. Just so 20s and uh, even like the men's costumes. Shout out to the men's costumes. They were just to a T and very accurate for the time.
0: And for Best Costume Design, my winner is Singing in the Rain. Yay!
1: Oh, this is awesome. Oh.
0: So next we have Best Color Cinematography.
1: All right. My winner for Best Color Cinematography is The Quiet Man. Uh, I just love how uh, John, or, or at least uh, John Ford has the film photographed with just the beautiful Irish fields and just everything being a nice luscious green. I mean, it's probably partly the same reason why I had, uh, she wore a yellow ribbon from the 1949 episode win, but it's also like, I feel like this, the excuse to show off all the locations is far more justified because it's It's about this guy, this American guy who comes to Ireland, his birthplace, and he's just discovering Ireland like a lot of Americans are, or at least ones with, especially those with Irish descent. And it's just so beautiful to look at. And I'm going to be honest, I do have a bit of a bias. I studied abroad in Ireland back in 2014, and I can tell you that, yes, it does It really captures the beauty of Ireland. The film really does, and so well done, The Quiet Man.
0: Nice. So, oh yeah, that sounds exciting and everything. But yeah, there's so many places to explore, and Ireland sounds like a nice place to be in. But My winner for best color and probably. I also have to go with Quiet Man.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, so I went in Ireland during the winter when the fields were a nice, luscious brown. But as the uh, weather got a little warmer, it turned into the green that a lot of us often picture Ireland with. And they mainly shot on the west coast of Ireland, which normally has those fields. And I was over there and it's, I can tell you that it's it's wonderful to be at. (laughs) Watching the film just made me want to frolic there all over again.
0: So next we have best black and white cinematography.
1: All right. My winner for best black and white cinematography is... High Noon! Ah. this It's just wonderful. Just how gritty it looks, grainy. And I also have to give a special shout-out to that crane shot that uh, that reveals how uh, Will Kane is all alone in the town, and yet he still soldiers on. It's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful.
0: And my winner for best black and white cinematography, it's gotta be Rashimauld. Ooh. Nice. So. Um, and Rashimauld because it it just looks beautiful. It's so gorgeous. I can't believe how gorgeous it looks.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, considering that's also one of the first films to use the handheld camera and use it very effectively, it's like, of course. Or at least in that way, revolutionizing how films were made. Yeah.
0: And next we have Best um, Art Direction.
1: All right. All right. My winner for best art direction is The Quiet Man.
0: Nice. That's a great choice.
1: I love it. I mean, again, it comes from the bias of studying abroad there, but it's like when I was watching it, like I had watched it twice. So once before going to Ireland and then most recently years after being in Ireland. And I can tell you that even when you can clearly tell that they're on a soundstage as opposed to on location, just the amount of detail they put into the thatched roof cottages is unbelievable. Like it just makes you feel like you're in those cottages right there on the, in the Connemara region. I mean, even down to what kind of plates they use in the cabinets. Yes, I was looking that much in details, but it does evoke that kind of uh, feeling, when of Ireland, no matter how stereotypical it is, but it just evokes that feeling of it when you're watching the Quiet Man.
0: Yeah, that uh, yeah, that uh, mm, that's a lot of great points, and but I went with something different. My winner has got to be Singing in the Rain.
1: Hey, still a great choice.
0: It's basically the consummate showbiz movie. Like, everyone else can just go home after that.
1: <laughs> Especially if you want to show off all the sets that you have in your fake movies, then absolutely. Oh, uh, That's wonderful. I think that probably would have been my, uh, uh, but definitely a runner-up for our uh, best art direction.
0: And next, we have Best Sound Recording.
1: All right. My winner for Best Sound Recording is... Singing in the Rain! For a film that is about the love letter to the early sound era of Hollywood, it really takes that kind of sound, like, really does it really well. Not only with poking fun at how... Hollywood had a hard time grasping it. I mean, specifically when they do the uh, preview for the Dueling Cavalier and how every possible sound thing goes wrong. I mean, I was whacking my butt off on that. It was just wonderful. And also using the sound now, especially during the Make a Laugh number, it just blows my mind of how much the sound department was really able to keep up with Donald O'Connor as he's like, especially dealing with the dummy, like passing the arm around and just making all those silly effects. Oh, yes. And also the lips where he's go rurp, 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 rurp. oh, it was fantastic. So it's just wonderful. So great job singing in the rain.
0: Nice. And yeah, agreed on all of that. And my winner for sound recording has got to be singing in the Rain.
1: Yay! Yeah. Um,
0: I can't go much into explanation because there's not much I, no, I could say. It's just fantastic all across the board.
1: Oh, definitely. I love how we've been uh, a lot of the time matching up with winners. Fantastic.
0: So next, we have Best Original Song.
1: All right. My winner for Best Original Song is... The Academy's Decision of Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling from High Noon.
0: And as much as I like that song, I go with a different winner. Make them laugh from Singing in the Rain.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, Mankum Laugh was very, very, it was, like, number two. But I had to go with Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling, because it's just a very weird song. It's almost anti-show tune. Because, like, if you look at a lot of the nominations and even winners of past Best Original Songs, a lot of them tended to be, like, show tunes, which is nothing wrong with that. But knowing how we process a lot of, like, songs and movies... Like, like you know how, like, the songs where you describe the plot of a movie, like, we take those for granted? I can understand how Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling was such kind of a novelty. Not only because it describes the plot of the movie, it outlines the main conflict, and it also establishes the palpably experimental tone of the film with its very odd-sounding production. But it still is a Western ballad. And so for paving the way for other movie songs to come thank you do not forsake me oh my darling
0: yeah definitely um so next we have best original score
1: ooh so my winner for best original score is also with the academy's decision of high noon, as I love the uh, score. Not only that it does uh, like inter- like really include uh, melodies of "Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling," but just the music when the when the clock strikes noon and the train comes, and just how much tension is in there. It's just wonderful. I just love it so much. Oh.
0: And my winner for original score is where well, I have to agree with the Academy's Choice as well and give it a High Noon.
1: Yay!
0: And next, we have Best Cartoon Short Film.
1: All right, my winner for Best Cartoon Short Film is- is Johann Mouse the Academy's decision? It's just such a wonderful Tom and Jerry cartoon, and just how much they put in so much uh, Johann Strauss in there, and did them a few times where they actually worked together. It's wonderful. I love it.
0: And my winner is also Johann Mouse. Yay! So next, we have Best International Film.
1: All right. My winner for Best International Film is... Rashomon!
0: Nice. Yeah. And my winner is Ikaru. Ooh.
1: I don't think I've seen Ikaru.
0: It's worth a rewatch, um, if you feel it's been a while. Like it's such a, a heart wrenching movie.
1: Ooh, nice. <sighs> so wonderful. Well, yeah, Rashomon. uh, I mean, for basically being the film that introduced Japanese cinema to the Western audience, it's, and getting the name of Akira Kurosawa out there, it's just wonderful. And also for for part of the movie inspiring the phrase, the Rashomon effect. That's oh, just wonderful. Like everything about that film is just wonderful.
0: So next we have best adapted screenplay.
1: All right. Well, my winner for best adapted screenplay is High Noon.
0: nice a great choice but my winner has to be Rashomon
1: ah great choices great choices all around not much to say much about high yeah. And it it's just a very compelling story and that's been paid homage to and parodied for for within the last seventy years, and you can easily see why it's just a man who's uh basically forced to fight alone.
0: So next we have best original screenplay.
1: All right, my winner for best original screenplay is the Lavender Hill Mob. Just for the concept alone and how much the uh, guy who wrote this actually re- consulted with the Bank of England of how to actually rob the Bank of England. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane to think about. And it's like, you know, for all that hard work, yes, you win this.
0: So, um, next we have, oh, first off, my winner. My winner is... Singing in the rain.
1: Woo! Nice. Yeah, that was very close for me.
0: So next we have Best Supporting Actress.
1: Oh man, now we're gonna get into the very juicy stuff. The juicier, the better. My winner for Best Supporting Actress is Jean Hagen from Singing in the Rain. What's the idea? <laughs> uh, and
0: I have to co-sign her. Gene Hagen is also my winner.
1: I, she's just fantastic in that film. I mean, just the voice of Mo just would make me want to nominate her. Yes, I know she's, like, the bad guy and everything. It's like, in a way, you kind of have to feel bad for her. Because it's like, she's told not to speak as a way of, like, protecting her image. But all she wants to do is control that image. And she can't because she's got that really (laughs) ugly voice. (laughs) She just is great. I love it.
0: And my winner is also Gene Hagen.
1: hmm Yay! Oh,
0: wait, wait. Uh, did I already we say did that?
1: We oh, sorry. Uh, that's right. She's just that good that you have to announce her name twice. Yeah,
0: yeah. Lost track. Well, we're, we're on Supporting Actor now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. My winner for Best Supporting Actor is... Donald O'Connor for singing in the rain. Oh, he's just so much fun. I mean, make a laugh. Just that just sold me on him. Just overall his performance and just so many prat balls and just just beautiful. I just love it.
0: Oh. And my winner is Stanley Holloway and the Lavender Hill Mob.
1: Ah, that's awesome! <sighs>
0: Next we have Best Leading Actress. Again, the big one that matters.
1: Indeed it does. I co-sign on that. And my winner for Best Leading Actress is... The Academy's Choice of Shirley Booth in Comeback Little Shiva. She is just absolutely wonderful. And I just love how... She just portrays this character who is kind of like kind of denying the reality that her not only her dog is totally messing, but also her husband is also kind of like is is struggling to stay on the wagon. And also like the even just the little moments where she's just spying on uh, Marie and Turk is just it's just so much of a dynamic role for Shirley Booth and. I think this was her first film, and she's a re- and she's reprising the role that she did on Broadway. I think she got a Tony, and now she has an Oscar for it. So, good job, Shirley.
0: And my winner for Best Actress has to be Maureen O'Hara for The Quiet Man.
1: Oh, great choice on that.
0: As great as Shirley Booth is, O'Hara is all I've got to go with.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: And next we have Best Leading Actor.
1: All right. My winner for Best Leading Actor is... Gary Cooper in High Noon, the Academy's decision.
0: And I also have to co sign, going with Gary Cooper for High Noon.
1: Yes. And the thing, the funny thing is, I was just thinking about this earlier. He didn't need another Oscar, although he had gotten one for Sergeant York, but this is the one he deserves.
0: Yeah. Like we could have taken of- away his Sergeant York Oscar and then just had him win for High Noon.
1: Exactly. We'd be better off. I mean, I haven't seen Sergeant Dork, so I can't really say, but I can say- It's not
0: good. You're not listening much.
1: Okay. Fair enough. But it's to say, when I was watching it, I got Gary Cooper. I got the stoicism, the method acting, and to think that in the 30s and 40s, like he was one of the early proponents of method acting, and you see everything that he had represented. culminate into his performance in High Noon*. It's just a wonderful, it's almost like he makes it almost too simple. It's like, it's too easy, but it's, it's, in a way, it's like, that's why acting is a very hard profession to make it believable, but you believe of what Will Kane is going through. Everything that he does, if he's afraid, he is afraid. Determined, he is determined. And it's just wonderful. So good job, Gary Cooper. You deserve it.
0: And um, did I say that I have Gary Cooper as My
1: is yes, also.
0: All right. Just want to be sure. I know,
1: after that long rant. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we are now on to Best Director.
1: All right. My winner for Best Director is Vincent Minnelli for The Bad and the Beautiful. It was a.
0: Interesting.
1: I know. Because I had. I thought about another person, but it's like, at the end of the day, I was really taken in by how much Vincent Minnelli was, every little decision that he made was to give the agency up the three main characters in there and to reinforce that it is their stories to tell. Whether it's like the angles they use, the shots, the perspectives they use, I was, I was very impressed. And for such a, for a film that is, from what I understand, is like underrated in the Vincent Minnelli discography, more people should go see it. So, especially for Vincent Minnelli's direction. So, good job, Vincent.
0: And for my winner, I go with Gene Kelly and Stanley Donid for Singing in the Rain. Nice.
1: Good choice on that one.
0: And next, the big one, Best Picture.
1: All right. Ooh, this is going to be the fun one. All right. I mean, not like the other ones were fun, but this is the funnest. So my winner for Best Picture is the one that the Academy should have won and was awarded in 1952,
0: High Noon. Nice. A great choice that um, signifies the growing opposition to the blacklist and the Red Scare and House on american Activities community and shows a shifting tide. I without, without making an easy route or, be, or being too preachy, it gets it right. But, as great as that film is, I have to go with the musical, Singing in the Rain.
1: Singing in the Rain, just singing in the rain. Although I have to admit, that was my second choice. And to say that is my favorite film in 1952, but I had to go with High Noon because that is the one that deserved that award.
0: So, that was amazing. Oh. So, first off, before we get to, like, the actual Oscar winner for all of these, do we want to talk about some of these films that we recognize that um, some people may know less about? Um, I would love to. For example, I um, recognized in a few categories Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, which if you know is either Short on Twitter, that's one of our favorite movies.
1: Oh nice. I've not seen that one, but from what I understand, it's supposed to be really, really good.
0: Yeah, it is. I'd argue it's underrated. And James Mason never got to have great chemistry. It's really makes good use of that um, legend. And um, Jack Cardiff um, is a cinematographer, it's gorgeous. Everything about it just looks gorgeous.
1: Nice, very nice. Yeah, so, so I understand like, I had actually given the bad and the beautiful actually more nominations than I actually got and it's not like it's an underrated film I would actually call it the dark horse of 1952 as in it doesn't really get talked about a whole lot but when it does people will swim through it and will, will, will swarm to it and we'll just be like oh my god this film is so good but seriously the film is definitely worth the hype and not just for like costumes and the art direction that initially won at the Oscars, but I think a lot of the performances are really on point, really convey their characters very well. So yes, if if there's a film that uh, you haven't seen in the Vincent and Miley discography, chances are it's, well, maybe if you haven't seen Bad and the Beautiful, go ahead and watch it. And borrowing a uh, phrase from, I believe it's Dashiell S- Silva, I want to say Daniel Silva, but I'm definitely going to be wrong on there.
0: Dashiell Silva.
1: Dashiell Silva. Yes, he, he had talked about it earlier, and I'm going to borrow a phrase from him. Watch uh, Lana Turner actressing uh, throughout the yes. Movie. Uh, especially actressing. in the car, <laughs> in the car.
0: The power <laughs> of actressing.
1: Yes, exactly. Power of actressing.
0: But I also gave Lee an nomination for Pride of Beloved Country. And that was one where they had to... The filmmakers almost risked being um, arrested due to the rules of apartheid at the time. What? And the stars, Canada Lee and Sidney Poitier. And it is a great early adaptation of this novel. And Canada Lee, who, I think he died shortly after this movie was released, but this is a great send-off for him. Great performance.
1: Oh, that's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And another film that I had actually given some nominations to is *The Beauty of the Devil*, and that is actually a retelling of Faust. And I loved like a lot of the fairy tale elements of it, even with the costumes and with the uh, production, specifically with the production sign, especially when you go into. Uh, the Faustian character, when he's a retired professor, and you have all this room with full of books, where it's like he just reads so so many books that he's not actually able to enjoy life. Like he just he wasted his youth reading all those books, and just the performances of uh, uh, Michel Simon as well as uh, Gerard Felipe. And yes, I understand that Gerard Philippe is very hot and which I co-sign on. He looks like what would have happened if uh, Michael Sheen was a uh, model. It's, uh, But it is a wonderful film that is can be very over the top, but it's appropriately over the top.
0: So... Um... I guess next, uh, do we want to talk about the real Best Picture winner from this year?
1: Oh, Gabe. I've been waiting for this for the last few months. And I'm sure the listeners have to. Well, I might as well get my Lion Tamer whip out of here. Let's do this.
0: The greatest show on Earth. You go first.
1: <sighs> I guess the best way to say it is... This is an enjoyably almost bad film. There are things that I admire of it. One of them being Cecil D. DeMille loves the circus. He enjoys the circus so much that he wants to represent it in all of its facets. And that is part of the reason why I had given it like the best director nomination and not just for, boy, Cecil, you did this work. You did, you made something that isn't religious or historical. However, there's a lot of things that are not, that don't quite work. One is the amount of melodrama that's in that film. It's over the top to the point that I really got annoyed with and the characters are almost un- unlikable and the acting is also is just feels too melodramatic for my taste and uh oh yeah and a lot of the uh plot points they just feels like a lot of them could have just been their own separate movies i mean you call yourself the greatest show on earth and yet it's not and part of that it asks I hate to say this, but it does ask for the ridicule. You call yourself the greatest show on earth for that reason. Oh, and uh, one specific moment is uh, that just really got on my nerves is after the train scene, when you had one of the characters complain about her broken teeth. And it's like, I'm sorry, lady, but the animals are on the loose. There are people injured, even sitting right next to you and the owner is literally on the verge of dying and what do you whole what, what do you complain about your teeth it's like i i'm done with this movie but of course knowing how there was like 10 minutes left in it it's like okay i better watch this
0: um yeah i agree really on all those points it would be a fine children's film if it wasn't two and a half hours long. I think it's even longer. It might be even longer than that, but it's the length that got me. It's harmless enough, but there's just nothing interesting about it. It just exists.
1: Yeah. Although I will have to give it for James Stewart for playing the only character that the film made me care about. Fair enough. I, mean, I, I really, I mean, his performance was really fun. Like, I really, it, you can tell like how much he enjoyed clowning around uh, on the stage or like on the set. But yeah, that film did not need to be two and a half hour long. I feel like, here's the thing, I feel like the Academy wanted to celebrate Cecil P. Mill, and knowing that maybe he didn't have much long to live for some reason. Yeah. They thought, oh, this would Look, he has this film that isn't, like, religious or historical. It's about going to the circus. Everybody loves going to the circus. Let's nominate it for, like, a, a handful of Academy Awards. Oh, and it also helped that Cecil B. DeMille was anti-communist, so it's like, yeah, yeah we're rewarding something that, that's not in line with communism!
0: <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That they're perfectly in line for them to like. Hey, this is apolitical enough. Let's just, yeah, it was that, and we don't have to. We can take our minds off the dangerous commies.
1: Yeah. Oh yes, that red menace, especially in that Western film, which was allegedly written by someone who's blacklisted. What? yeah it's like it's the funny thing is that i mean there was a uh there was a tweet recently of what is like one of the most like i believe it's like one of the mo- most wtf like wins and a lot of people had said like greatest show on earth winning best picture and i've seen people like defend like shakespeare and love winning best picture and even one person defending crash which they didn't give an explanation for but of all the time that I've explored on film Twitter, I've not seen one person defend the greatest show on earth's win. That is just how bad. And Gabe, I have a quick question for you. Yeah? Did you uh, select me for 1952 just so I could watch a bad best picture winner because I dodged the bullet on watching Cavalcade for 33?
0: Um, I don't, I I don't usually have that. In mind. No, I didn't. Uh, I wouldn't do that.
1: <laughs> okay. Because I was going to say, it's like, it's purely coincidental about that. <laughs> for two of the episodes, we talk about a bad best picture winner. But honestly, for what you had described to me in that episode, I'm still glad I had watched The Greatest Show on Earth. I mean, I mean, it's basically a whole buttload of variety of popcorn. One being cotton candy flavored, another being birthday cake flavored, and caramel flavored. Because lately I've been describing uh, film as food, and that's what I think of whenever I think of the greatest show on earth. It doesn't, make, doesn't always work, but you know what? It's harmless enough, and you know what? If you enjoy it, you enjoy it.
0: Yeah. So, I guess, um, do we have any final thoughts on this year as a whole?
1: So, I do think that this is a good year in film. When I was watching uh, films from this year, I was struck by how much of a cash that, I, As in, uh, like, there was a lot of films that felt like there were retreads of, like, uh, ideas that had originated in like years prior. So like, for example, there was films like The Star uh, starring Betty Davis, which was immediately, I saw it as a ripoff of Sunset Boulevard. But then even films that I thought were immune to this, like say High Noon, also utilized trends that had existed in, in the few years prior. Like having a very odd music score for High Noon, which The Third Man obviously has probably one of the weirdest music scores there ever is. But I think High Noon also kind of took that and made it a little more palatable. But it's still experimental as it all is.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I agree with all those points and it is um something occurring where the past keeps showing up in like these newer uh trailblazing feature films that we see um along the way. Like we see a film like in the 1960s. We have films that call back to the films that laid the ground for us. Oh, uh, for that. Um, not sure if I can give specific examples, but if you know, you know.
1: Yeah, I I understand where you're coming from.
0: <sighs> um, I guess with all that said, um, thank you, Emily, for once again appearing on this podcast. It, it's always so much fun discussing films with you.
1: Well indeed. And I do have a couple questions for you. Ask away. All right. The first question is, and this is something I've been asking on the on the on your Twitter page, is in your opinion, what are the best two seconds of films from
0: 1952? Um uh, that's Hard. I guess you can just go with any two seconds from Singing in the Rain, like take a two second clip from Donald Glover making those wacky expressions.
1: (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. My two seconds would be uh, Gene Kelly on the lamppost. He's just so happy. Just oh yeah,
0: that would be that would be mine.
1: Awesome. As
0: the most indelible, enduring image from Singular Rain, in my opinion.
1: Oh, absolutely. You guys just, just full of joy. It's like, how can you not be sad while watching this? And the other question was something that I had asked you uh, a little, probably a few days ago, since in the actual 1952 ceremony, they actually had awarded Gloria Graham. And for her performance in The Bad and the Beautiful, which her performance is less than 10 minutes. So I had that. So my question is, what would your be what would your nominations be for best performance in a movie that is 10 minutes or less? Um from this year? Yes, from this year.
0: It's really hard to say, like, I would have to, and I'm not sure I could answer that. It's just too hard to say. Like, I would have to sit down, think of, like, who had uh, less than 10 minutes. And, yeah, sorry, but I'm not sure if I can, like, give a concrete answer to that.
1: Well, that's understandable. I mean, I can make, I can just uh, make my own, I have my own nominations. Just like, that's a little foundation. So me personally, my nominations would have been uh, Ned Glass from The Bad and the Beautiful, Elaine Stewart from The Bad and the Beautiful, Lon Chaney Jr. from High Noon, Rita Moreno from Singing in the Rain, and Robert Wagner from With a Song in My Heart.
0: I guess I would have done with those.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and of course, I have to reveal I might as well reveal my winner and that would be uh, Rita Marino from Singing in the Rain. Yes. And she barely has any lines, but it's like whatever. whenever she's on screen, she makes the most of it. And i just, just happy to be there. It's just, she just loves every moment of it.
0: So, um, with that said, um, how can we find you on social media, Emily?
1: So, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me at EJB0092 under Emily Blakowski malik You can also find me on Instagram at Emily underscore Blakowski, And you can also find uh, book reviews by a chick who reads everything not only on the website, but also on the book reviews who uh, by a chick who reads everything Facebook page. And also check out my latest reviews of, I went down to New Orleans recently, and so check out the bookstores that I had stopped by while I was there.
0: Nice. So you can find me on Twitter at GabeTheJoker. You can find me on Instagram at my name, Gabe Warren. And on Letterboxd, at Mr. Kulo. um You can find the Patreon page for this, uh, for this podcast at Alternate Oscars. And uh, be sure to follow the Twitter account for Alternate Oscars at Alternate Oscars. And beyond that, be sure to rate and review this podcast for visibility's sake, and subscribe through your choice of server. Until the next episode, sit back and relax, choose and enjoy, and thank you for listening to the alternate Oscars.